Sugarcoated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Welcome back to Sugar Coated. I am so excited to share my next set of guests with you today. Welcome to Sugar Coated, Sonia Jankar and Rima Dutt. They are the co-founders of Luminous Studios here in New York City, and they have both been involved with She Leads Media and our conferences, and we've been friends for a couple of years now. Uh, And I am just so excited to talk to the both of them so that we can talk all about video and how video can help women entrepreneurs to get themselves out there and to help to monetize and grow their business. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Rima and Sonia. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. So before we kind of dive into the meat of the topic, which is all about, you know, visibility and how can we leverage video to gain the visibility that we deserve as women entrepreneurs and that can also help us to grow our business, I wanted to just kind of take a step back and hear a little bit about how you started Luminous Studios. Sure. Sure. Fanya, do you want to take it? Yeah, sure. So, okay. So the long story short, um, a really long time ago, I'm not going to date us, but um, a while ago, we basically met at NYU. We were both doing our undergrad degrees. I was, Adima was in CS, I was in Tish doing film. And we ended up meeting and being roommates and sort of started on really small projects together. So all of my short films and little projects in school, I used to like sort of like drag Rima along along and like I knew her hidden producing expertise and I would get her to like help me out in so many different ways. And so it started very organically. And then fast forward after graduation, we were sort of like you know, working on different projects in different capacities together. And we decided to dive into our first feature film together as well, where which I had written the script for and Rima was really passionate about. So we ended up producing our first feature as a producer-director duo. This was back in 2009 or 10. So fast forward all these years later, about eight years ago, we we realized there was a gap in the market um, right around the time when digital marketing content was becoming really strong on IG and all of these other platforms. And we ended up um, starting Luminous in 2014 where we, when we wanted to see if we could bring our expertise of long-form feature film content to short-form content. So, you know, creating cinematic-looking visual content for smaller, younger companies. At that point, we were primarily targeting crowdfunding campaigns, you know, new, younger tech companies sort of like trying to find visibility through their video work. And so we would 
be able to like, you know, optimize on budgets and get them some really solid visual content. And that's what, that's how we started off like in 2014. And then, and then now it's sort of the company's become what it is, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of where we met and like took off and as friends as well as business partners. I love that. And it's so nice that you were able to start that business together as co-founders because, I mean, first of all, just being in the creative field in general is difficult. And then starting a business on top of it, that's really challenging. So to have somebody that you trust and that you've, you know, you've worked with, you've done projects with, you knew that not only were the both of you friends, but that you could also work together. I think that's super important when, you know, starting a business. Just to, just to ask like a, a sort of a side note question. There's always, you know, there's always positives and challenges when when running a, a business. Just for the those folks out there who are are listening and thinking like, you know, I, I really want to start a business, but I don't want to do it on my own. Do you have advice? I mean, you were lucky that you were roommates, you lived together, you knew so much about one another. Rima, maybe you could talk a little bit about any advice that you might have for people that are looking to start a business together and look for either look for a co-founder or start a business together with somebody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is a great question because it's it's definitely not... You really have to find the right person. I wouldn't just be like, hey, grab your best friend and start a business together. To Sonia's point, it was very organic. And I think what when we met, we shared... We were both very ambitious. We shared this ambition of just in whatever we did, we just wanted to do it really well. And we were particularly passionate about this field, entertainment and media. And I think we bonded over that ambition and that passion a lot. And with that, also both of us had a similar sort of type A and practical personality that I think is important in a creative field because it kind of grounds you and it reminds you that the creativity and the passion is really important, but to, you know, make something of it, you also need to be a little logistical and practical minded. So I think for us, or I think when looking for someone, try to find those overlaps that resonate and not just because it's not just that your good friends will make great partners. I think for us, we sort of shared those things and became friends and grew in this way together, like sort of grew the business and the ideas on that same path. So I think doing those things in tandem is really important. I love that advice. Yeah. I think it's it's so good and it really does help like in you know in the in the highs and the lows to have somebody that you can, you know, turn to and that really understands what it is that you're going through because the other one's going through the same thing. I think it's so important. And then also like from where you started and I I just love, you know, like bringing that sort of cinematic approach for long form content into shorter form content for personal brands, content creators, things like that. I know your, your business, like other businesses, have gone through a couple of different you know, just evolutions or, or transitions. Do you still sort of take that approach, that point of view, right? We want to bring this really high quality cinematic type of experience to our clients. And, and who, do you, who are you working with now? Sure. So yes, absolutely. I think now, I mean, honestly, now there's the, the whole media landscape has changed so much. 
it's almost starting to be the other way around thanks to TikTok and Instagram and UGC content, which is basically like focusing so much on the user generated part of, you know, the deal, which is that the more organic, the more natural, the, the you know, the kind of almost these platforms almost don't encourage cinematic content because they the audience is now looking for authentic content, content that feels like it's, you know, created by the influencer in their backyard because they really so believe in that XYZ product or the service, right? So I think it's been, uh, we've been riding the wave now of like really great content for quite a few years on Instagram and, and uh, Meta, Meta in general. And then now with TikTok and Snapchat and all of these, we sort of see, we've seen a transition. So now the quality of content is less so about the look, but more so about what is being said. So I think that's sort of like changing and, you know, many production companies like ours are changing gears with that as well. Mm. So that's one aspect of, you know, a big thing where if a new company or a new video producer is coming in at the, this point, they have to absolutely be aware of and can, cannot shy away from it. Um, this is, it's here to stay and it's definitely making an impact. And then to answer your second question about which plans we're working on right now. So we have sort of a wide variety of verticals we work in. So we have everything from, you know, tech companies like Snapchat to some fashion forward product companies like H&M. Those are like a two like relatively well-known clients. And then sort of like a lot of other industries in between. Mm. tech to non-profit so almost sort of like all of everything that comes between those two extreme sort of poles we've done it i would say the one thing that we are is that we are a video company and we are all things video so we we don't do anything more we don't do social media marketing we don't do like strategic planning or anything of that sort we sort of we do video and we compose video and we do concepting as well as delivery for it so but within video we sort of like can really entertain any industry as such so our clients Mm. are quite widespread I love that. There are so many different women that are listening into this, you know, women business owners, women entrepreneurs, uh, founders that that listen into Sugar Coated and they are wondering like, okay, you know, I want to leverage video, right? Everybody knows how important video is, but it's so overwhelming to think about what do I do? Where do I start? And not only that, like you can't just create one video and then be done, right? You can't just yeah. put a post a video on your website and think that that's enough. So what are some tips? What What's some really good advice for women who have businesses that want to leverage video because they know that, that this is what they must be doing? What do you tell people that come to you like, help me? What do I do? What's the first step? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's very important, especially if you're just starting out. Because one thing Sonia and I always like, we're very transparent for is when you are investing in any sort of content creation, make sure you have investment of like, what are you going to do with it? Right. Yeah. So if you put a lot into one piece of content, but you don't actually know like, hey, where's it going to live? How am I going to get eyeballs on it? The economics don't really balance out. Right. So if you're just starting out, I think kind of to her point when she's talking about, you know, UGC, there's a lot of content creation tools you can start with on your own Mm. to get a sense of, you know, your brand voice, start building some basic messaging, start understanding what is it you're trying to put out there and see if that resonates with your audience. Mm. 
And then as you get somewhere, you know, then you can bring in some professionals to really come and create a refined piece of content for you. In the literal sense, I would say like, you know, we, we share a lot of just different tips and tricks that you can do at home. Like even in, in a podcast recording, clear audio, right? So content is really important, but if it's muffled, if it doesn't sound good, it's never going to work on any platform. Mm. Um, or if you're using text, is it clear? Is it digestible? If you're, you know, recording your frame, let's say you're talking to camera, what's behind you? What does it look like? Are you up against a wall looking flat or is there, there's some depth behind you? So these are some things you can keep in mind. And, um, we actually on our website have like a, a little blog post too, about like 10 tips you can just do during COVID. A lot of people that were recording stuff at home, it was like, keep these things in mind. And your first few pieces of content will be a little more elevated mm. than the average thing you'll see. I love that. And I, I, you know, it's so funny. I always tell people almost like the same thing when it comes to podcasting. Like, okay, you don't need to have fancy equipment and all of, you know, original music and the whole podcast studio, but you do need to have clear audio. It needs to be of high quality going in so that whatever you end up doing with it is at least of a certain quality coming out, right? You might want to cut it into pieces. And if it just sounds terrible, if it sounds like you're in a, you know, a tunnel or something, even if you're saying the most profound, you know, earth shattering things, people are not going to want to listen because it just doesn't sound nice. And and I would say that what you're what you're talking about it's the same, you know, for what we're we're watching. We want to we want to not be blurry, right? We we want to have some type of visual interest somehow, but it doesn't need to be this Hollywood movie set in order to do so. Exactly. Exactly. You hit it on the head. I love it. So for your business, right? So all of us, we are trying to to gain visibility for our, our business. It's so important, right? So being an actual content creator, it's almost like, what's that saying about like, the cobbler's kids have, you know, holes in, in their shoes. I know that I'm very much the same way when it comes to marketing. Like I, you know, I help other people with their marketing and I don't do a very good job at my own marketing just because I'm helping, you know, other people. So what are some of the things that the both of you are doing to gain more visibility for Luminous Studios? That's a, that's a great question. What are we doing? I think, um, I think, um, we actually very recently, finally, after I don't know how many years, created a video piece that we are very proud of that is about us and nothing else, right? It's about who we are, what we do, and why people should engage with us, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. We did not, you know, there has been momentum, fortunately, so we did not get a chance to really spend a lot of time and energy and resources into creating content for ourselves. But we finally have that up. Um Apart from that, we do, you know, we do have VR on social, mildly active VR on like other platforms. We attend events and we speak at events. We, we sort of like, we keep in touch with a lot of people who, through our newsletters okay. and all of these other fun things. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just continue on because I think we're having a little bit of technical issue, but that is totally cool. That's user-generated content. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Here we go. And I will actually just add, Adrian, to your point, it's it's so ironic, right? Because we can totally relate to like we're in 
marketing and video production. And 10 years in, we decided to make a video about ourselves. It's really hard (laughs) to prioritize. But I do think that kind of like one thing we try to do is diversify. So Mm. we're active on social. We do a lot of email campaigns, very active at speaking and networking because as you very well know, it's a very small world. I would say so much of our business comes through referrals and word of mouth. So I think it's about like for us over the years, it's always about, okay, let's try to dip our hands in a few things, whatever hits, like we'll spend a little time, but then every three or four months that just changes like what's working. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's always funny though, because like, it's almost like, you know what you should be doing, but then you don't really always prioritize it enough. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that's so real too, because I feel like so many women that start businesses, we know all the things that we should be doing. And we know that these things are going to help our business, but we we just don't do them because of time, because we're actually executing the thing that we're working on. And I think that there's so much pressure. I mean, there's so much pressure for women, period. And then, you know, women entrepreneurs, there's so much pressure to almost like get everything right. And I think we need to give ourselves a lot of grace that we are not doing all of the things. Yeah. I mean, you, we don't need to, but we feel the pressure to do that. So do you have any just like, you know, practices maybe of of your own so that you don't necessarily get wrapped up because a lot of the projects that you work on, I can imagine you really need to focus and you can't be thinking about all of the other things that are going on in the background. But sometimes that gives you anxiety, right? Like, oh my God, I really should be doing these other things. So like, do you have any type of like practices or, or mantras or anything that you kind of like tell yourself like, okay, focus. And then, you know, then I can move on. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think that's sort of like relevant to us as women in general. Like I think, you know, women just generally just try to do it all. And that can be like a whole different movie of a podcast in and of itself. But, (laughs) but, uh, but speaking of business, I think in general, I think what we try to really do, I think what Rima and I, we have put in place practices that can function without us. Mm. that don't need us to constantly remember or have things at the top of our minds in order for them to be done. So, you know, there are weekly check-ins about something or if some there is some, if like, for instance, our Instagram posts, they all get scheduled way in, way in advance by someone else in our team so that like every week we are not checking what's up, but it's sort of like done and done, you know, um, yep. scheduled and done as such. So, I mean, there are some, these are very like literal practical tips that people can, you know, use and do, but there are some larger delegation, like sort of delegation choices we make too, like really choosing what we need to be doing and what we don't. So if we are busy, then we are busy and we are, we accepted that there are some times when you will not see a newsletter go out for three months at a stretch and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that that's fine. It's because you're busy. It's not, it's, we know ourselves well enough that it's not because we are just, you know, hanging out and like being lazy per se. It's for much it's for good reasons. So I think we we do cut ourselves a lot of slack, especially now that we, you know, we are not in our early 20s where we feel the need to just sort of like do everything all the time and be the best at everything. I think we choose the things we want to do, do them really well and and forgive ourselves if there are times when we cannot get to, get to something because it's not even like a mistake. It's sort of a choice of like how I want to spend my time, you know? Mm. So I think, yeah, it's sort of a twofold answer to that. 
I, I really like that because it it's much more self-empowering to say, I am going to pause this thing that is, you know, it's important, a newsletter, okay, but it's not going to make or break your business and you have bigger things to focus on. And and I love how you you said it too. It's, you know, you, you're, you're not just sitting around doing nothing. You are being very intentional about what it is that you're working on and making the choice to put something aside that that is probably not going to harm your business in any significant way. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to, yeah. And I was just going to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, to add to what you just said, I think for women, especially, we really need to think about, you know, it's, it's usually hard for us to say this, but where is the money at, right? Like, yeah. What is the conversion rate for my newsletters versus, you know, me getting uh, a relaxed break so that next day I can be so productive on an H&M campaign I'm working on? You know, it's sort of yeah. like, it's literally like what is translating and what is not. So what is just would be nice to have versus what is an absolute must to keep the keep the business flowing on a regular basis. So kind of identifying those pockets can also really be very, as you said, sort of intentionally help you decide this versus this because you all only have so many hours in the day and we definitely shouldn't be using all of them to just work. So no. making those choices are like, it really helps being clear about, you know, where where you're the main resource for your company is coming from. So I really like how the both of you, you know, you started out undergrad, starting the business, you're probably in your 20s, now it's been, you know, several years. Everybody's has a different perspective. We all have been through COVID, which has changed everything for everybody. How has not just your business evolved when it comes to the, the type of clients or the type of work that you do, but how have the both of you evolved as business owners, as co-founders? Are, is there anything that you can sort of look back on and say, you know, I used to operate like this and that was great, but now this is how I operate. And then can you see yourself even modifying and changing that as you go into almost the next phase of your business? Yeah, that's a great, that's a wonderful question. And it's probably like an ongoing evolution, you know, I think every year, every few months. And and as I, I think I touched on this earlier, Sonia and I are both very type A people, or we always have been. And I almost feel like maybe that's one of the biggest evolutions for, and I'll, I'll speak for her for now, but she can chime in, um, <laughs> is this concept of work-life balance. And, and today I just, I'm not a fan of that phrase, but it is very important. And I'm not a fan of it because I just feel like that should be innate, but it's not. So there used to be a time in our lives where it's like the more hours we worked, the better it, it just seemed like that would translate and it did. There's a phase in life where you're working 12-hour, 18-hour days and it translates. But it's important to evolve and realize, you know, hey, what's the trade-off here? Kind of to her point, where am I putting my time and my energy? Because life is far bigger than just the work you do. Mm. And I think the unique challenge that business owners find is because you run your own business, it's it's a double-edged... It's a catch-22 because you inherently have a lot of flexibility, Right. Yes. You determine maybe your hours, your calls, your this, your that. But within that flexibility, you also always feel like you could be on if you need to be, you know, yeah. or if you should be. And so I think for us, really like being the big go-getters and the people, you know, like 
We want to get to everything. We want to do everything really well, get to all of our lists, all of our objectives. I think easing up on that and really being able to prioritize and, and like, if we have to let something go or if we can't practically get to something, just being okay with that, I think Mm. has been a big evolution and has been very satisfying to both of us, (laughs) you know, to be like, okay, we're at a place where like, I don't have to see something and reply right away. Like, if I'm on my emails and when I'm sit and I'm ready to do that, I'll open that email and I'll address it, but I'm not going to rush to get to stuff. So I feel like it's been, it's been sort of that trajectory, but I'll let, I'll let Sonia chime in there too. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, she knows, she knows me too well now. So like I think what she said <laughs> is we're sort of like parallel in that, in that way. I mean, one thing I will definitely share with everyone is that at Luminous, we have six hour days. So our busiest days are when we are optimizing those six hours. And that's not just for Reem or me, but we kind of like try to have all our team members embody those hours as well. Like no one needs to be working more than those many hours in a day. We really believe that if you're focused and you're doing good work in those six hours, it's really not possible to do be very, very, very effective for another four hours or another no. two hours. I feel like it's you kind of, you hit the, you hit the ceiling at that and then you just have to pause, re- replenish and go back at it the next day. And I think, of course, there are exceptions. And of course, you know, there are days when, you know, we break some of these rules, but but at least those rules exist where, you know, kind of like there's a structure to it where you are not required to like just be at your desk because at eight and nine hours is what everyone in the world has always said you should be working on. And we always hear 40 hour weeks and, you know, just really we've figured that 2025 is max we can give. And we are really killing those 2025. We really don't need more. And on the back end, when things do get slow, we sort of don't even do those things. We sort of just see what, what we want to do. What actually makes sense is, does it make sense to just take a break and not pretend like you're working, like not pretend like you just need to do, be doing something to be productive and being okay with that. So um, mm. even even for a lot of the new team members that join our team, it's, it's a new experience for them for us to be like, I sent you this note, but don't reply to me if you're not at your desk. Like don't have Slack on your phone. Don't have email on your phone. My personal phone usage has gone down tremendously in the last two, three years because I just do everything on the computer because that compels me to not always be on. It mm. it only means that I'm choosing to sit somewhere with an open laptop and then work on something versus walking around in the subway thinking about something else and oops, a ping on Slack comes in and I should quickly reply because why not? I know the answer. Like that mm. that culture is now a little bit behind us and we like it that when we are there, we are there and we are not there, we're not there. Oh gosh, I love this so much. I, I feel like this is something that all companies really need to adopt because it's so true. We are just not productive. That extra hour, two hours, four hours, it's totally diminishing returns. And, you know, we are more productive. Not that we want to rest so that we are productive because that also feeds into the whole culture of just us being used instead of just valuable as we are. That as a side note, I actually talked about this on, I think it was the previous podcast that I recorded. There's this wonderful book. I wish I knew the author's name off the top of my head, um, but it's called Rest as Resistance. And um, it's all about sort of like the anti, you know, hustle culture and, and like resting just for the purpose of being productive, like productive, right? And so I, I love how you have infused this like humanity 
into the work that you do because it's it's just crazy how we operate in in our world and it's such a good tip to sort of like have your work on a computer where when you're ready to focus on that that you that you set yourself up for that focus session versus being completely distracted 24/7 by your goddamn yeah. phone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. It's awful. My husband is a a business owner um and his his work is a little bit different because he does he installs and plans and fire alarm systems. So when there is an emergency, you know, it, it truly is. So the nature of, of his work has tied him to his phone. And I have noticed it's getting progressively worse. Like he will put his phone down, but then, you know, something fires in his mind. You see it and and he he picks up his phone. Like, and it's like, dude, can't you like live your life without having that thing like with you? And and he really can't. And It's it's yeah. really unfortunate that we have gotten to that place, but it sounds like at your company, your your culture is that of like we don't need to to just be on twenty four seven in order to do amazing yeah. work. Yeah, exactly, exactly for sure. I love that. I think that is so inspiring. So, is there anything else that you sort of want to leave our listeners with? Right, these are women entrepreneurs. These are women that are like looking to grow their business, be really efficient. Are there any like parting tips or words of wisdom that you would like to impart on the sugar coated audience? And whatever it is, don't sugar coat it. Awesome. I love it. I can I can kick off with one, uh, you know, just sort of you're talking about video and that's our expertise. A lot of the younger companies who are starting to try out video or just other forms of content on social, especially if you're a product-driven company and are B2C where your consumer is your buyer as well, just get started. Don't be completely and 100% ready to do content, let's say, or do any form of outreach or video, just get started. Just get, you know, start start doing little bits. You'll get the more you do it. I feel like sometimes as women especially we want everything to be completely structured and perfect before we put it out there. But that's completely changing, especially in the content world. It's about volume almost as much as it's about the quality of that content. So, you know, as you said earlier, Adrian, like, you know, just it, it needs to be more frequently up there. You need to be in people's faces. You need to be doing good stuff and re, kind of reproducing content again and again over multiple weeks in order for people to start to then have a brand recall for whatever it is that your product is. So yeah, just, just start doing it and then you'll, you know, you'll fix things later and just, just go, just go and do a, a photo, a video, a UGC piece, whatever. I love it. And Rima? Yeah. I would say that remember things will keep evolving, whether it's from the business side or what you're creating. I would say even the systems and structures at Luminous, like as soon as, you know, we'll add a new tool and it'll be amazing. And about two years later of like, oh, there's something better out that we can change. And whether it's creating more efficiency or a better workflow or it'll contribute to something. So I think know whatever it is, you know, I remember when Sonia and I in the early days of Luminous, you know, we were trying to be like, okay, what's our niche? Who are we targeting? Who's our clientele? Because you want to be really specific at the start, right? You don't want to say you could do everything for everyone. 
And today we sit here and we can basically do everything for everyone. So <laughs> it's it's really funny how that changes. So just be aware that that's just kind of how it's going to go. So as you put more and more out, you're going to keep learning and evolving and that's just how it's supposed to how it's supposed to go. I love it. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast and sharing about Luminous Studios, about how you both started it as co-founders and all of the wisdom that you have imparted to me and to the sugar-coated audience. I know that I appreciate and I, I love talking to you. And and I don't know if the both of you, but I know at least one of you will be uh, speaking at the She Leads conference live in on December 1st. So I'm so excited to, to be able to showcase all of your wisdom with the sugar coat. I'm sorry, with the, with the She Leads Live audience as well, live in person in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. So this is just so great. And I, I just love uh, that, that we have been in touch and that we also know so many people in common. It's just so wonderful. It's a small, beautiful world. So thank you so much for being here on Sugar Coated. Thank you, Adrian. This is amazing. This was, yeah, this was so fun. Thanks for having us. Awesome. The She Leads Podcast Network.